Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode five of This Is Not Financial Advice, the podcast. Today, me and Brad are going to talk about how Target effed up, what the heck's going on with gas, what's going on with crypto, and Brad's going to school us up on how these uh, crypto brokerages are being shady as fuck. Uh, anyways, we've got a lot to discuss today, so we're going to get started. What's up? We are live. You got me? Got you loud and clear, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, brother. I got you Llama Cheetah as well. What a busy Monday, dude. Uh, looking at my charts here, uh, Bitcoin's hovering around $22,000. You getting damaged over there? How are, your, how are your wallets looking? How are those stock accounts looking? What a crazy Monday. Yeah, you know what? Uh, luckily, I got out of a bunch of positions uh, the uh, last week when we had a couple high days. However, I did sell a, I did write a uh, cash covered put on Tesla uh, that is like down three hundred percent. But to be honest, if it uh, hits my strike or goes lower, I won't, uh, I won't mind picking up another hundred shares. Uh, but uh, it's not fun to look at in the meantime. <laughs> But in the meantime, I'm not opening my apps. Uh, just so everyone's clear, it is June 13th, and Bitcoin's hovering just over 22,000. And in the last five days, it has lost almost 30% of its value. That is insane. Considering, and by the way, that puts us at $30,000 five days ago. And considering Bitcoin's already been getting schwacked all year, as well as the rest of the equities markets. It's starting to make me wonder how low we can go. Here's a couple things I want to throw out there, Buddha, just to give context, because I want to spend a little bit of time on um, what's going on here in the year 2022, because I have a feeling this is going to keep coming back to either haunt us or be a part of our discussions in the future, man. And we have, uh, you know, coinciding with this Bitcoin drop, the S&P 500 is down almost 4% today as well. Just to compare it directly to Bitcoin, in the last five days, the S&P has lost almost 9%. And since the start of the year, we've lost 22%. Uh, something that just needs to get thrown out there is that I had the NASDAQ pulled up about an hour ago. And NASDAQ right now is floating about 30% higher than where it was at the beginning of the year 2020. So from two years ago, two and some change, we're still 30% up on most of the tech stocks, just the tech stocks as a whole. And that in and of itself is a, you know just over 15% annualized return, which isn't shabby at all. So what do you think, Buddha? Is this just a bunch of fat getting cut out thanks to the Fed, or, or are we going to just keep dropping and dropping? How are you feeling over there? Uh, you know, I definitely, uh, I, I definitely think we're due for a correction. Uh, looking at futures right now, we're up about half a percent. So uh, maybe the uh, bloodletting uh, is going to cease here, uh, hopefully tomorrow out of the gate. But uh, we'll we'll see, man. Um, you know, definitely dipping into it, you know, at least in my estimation, buy territory for uh, for uh, uh, spy, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how low it goes. I want to say speak, we're, nearing, we're nearing the bottom, though. Speaking of SPY and nearing the bottom, um, if you pull up a 10-year chart on SPY, approx approximately 380, 3,800 
is uh, pretty much touching the 10-year trend line. If you were to just put a straight line from 10 years ago up to today, right? And um, I think two weeks ago, Chamath Palihapitiya on the All In podcast um, had had reminded everybody that months ago, months ago before this big drop started to uh, to drop on us and, and the rug was pulled out on everybody, he had said 380 was roughly the bottom that he expected. Now we've passed through that a little bit, so I'm hoping we find some some support down here for the sake of everybody involved. Uh, but aside from everyone just buying to give us some support levels, we've got these crypto exchanges like Celsius and Binance that have just decided to put things into their own hands, which is pretty ridiculous. Uh, to bring everybody up to speed, both Celsius and Binance have decided to halt withdrawals today not allowing anyone to withdraw Bitcoin and other cryptos from their wallets and from the platforms. Holy So are they doing that like just on their own? So they've obviously, you know, they're talking to each other, they're conspiring, but what about the other exchanges? Are they, are, are they allowing uh, users to still exit their positions? Dude, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Not just a question about the other exchanges, but, what is really making this happen in terms of regulation, right? Because let's look at the NASDAQ or the S&P 500. They have markers. They know that if, the, if there's a certain percent drop in a day on a certain volume or a stock with a particular volume, they're going to, quote unquote, pull the circuit breakers and not allow trading anymore, right? But that, the difference between trading and being able to withdraw your funds and whatever equities left after you cover, cover down any debt, et cetera, uh, is huge. Like Celsius and Binance aren't allowing you to even withdraw cash or, or Bitcoin from your current wallet. It it doesn't even mean you can't trade it. It's not like it's untradeable right now. You can't even touch it. You can't send it to your friend. You can't move it to another wallet. And to me, that's, that's just insane. Like I don't really understand uh, the full motivation here. I have a feeling, I'm not super techie on this, but I have a feeling that they do have to keep users from sending coins uh, intra-wallet or to other platforms just to minimize the amount of uh, basically trading flow that they have within their own centralized platform because these two platforms are centralized compared to decentralized exchanges. And I think they're doing that to kind of uh, dampen down the pain that they have on their own chains basically. But um, it, that's a great question, Travis. What what are the smaller and other exchanges doing, and why why isn't or will Coinboy something like Coinbase follow suit? Right? Um, it's not like yeah. I mean, I just I, I just feel like users of those wallets are are the sacrificial lambs, and they're sitting there watching Bitcoin drop literally, you know, by one third in value over the course of the uh, past few days, and uh, you know, they're 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 forced to sit there and watch while, uh, you know, in a attempt to maybe slow down the, the dip while, uh, you know, users of other platforms are able to do whatever they want. Uh, man, definitely brings up some like legitimacy issues. And, uh, I, you know, I know you're a big crypto guy. I've dabbled, but, uh, I've never gone into it too hard. And, uh, you know, after seeing this, I, I, it kind of confirms some of my uh, biases there. Well, this is where stuff gets really wonky too, right? Like this is going to be a, 
a serious scientific test of sorts because approximately a year ago, I found out that these, these guys that were doing something that I should have, I kick myself in the shins every morning when I wake up for not doing this myself, but they realized that all the different exchanges <clears throat> on which you could sell, let's just keep it simple and talk about uh, Bitcoin. All the different exchanges on which you could sell Bitcoin were clearly their own exchanges, which means the buyers and sellers in those exchanges may be referencing the price that Bitcoin or other crypto is going for on other exchanges, but not necessarily selling one for one. So if Bitcoin was going for $50,000 on Coinbase, it's not necessarily selling for fifty grand at that same time on other exchanges which means you can have uh, a price differenti uh, differentiation, which is how you play the spread. You could buy on one exchange and as quickly as you can sell on another ex exchange and make the delta, make the difference. People do this worldwide. This is where high-frequency trading comes into play because there are bid-ask spreads between uh, the primary exchanges and basically the retail exchanges. It's a whole thing. But these guys were doing this over and over creating like seriously making tens of millions of dollars in, in a very short span of time all because they recognize that all these uh, exchanges were split but selling the exact same asset right and so now back to your question you asked a minute ago what will happen with the other um wallets and platforms and what will what will become of a few of these guys freezing assets when the others don't I think the long in the long run, you just have a bunch of user shift. I mean, no one's ever going to want to trust these brand names when other brand names, and I'm talking about the wallets themselves, chose to not freeze. And why did they freeze? These guys aren't trying to keep the price of – they're not trying to support the price of Bitcoin. They're not trying to get investors to slow down and think about what they're doing, which are some of the reasons for which – the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange would halt trading of an underlying stock because right, they want they're going to say that they're going right. to say that, though. But Celsius, the, the issue is these wallets and some of their underlying some of the underlying groups that allow you to, let's say, buy into a coin and be paid a rate. Right. Get paid interest for staking that coin. That's what they're stopping. We've got a lot of interest at stake. We've got basically a lot of value that these companies are shoveling into the retail user, user's hands for staking their coins. And right now they're getting annihilated because they're paying up all this cash as users leave and they're trying to keep that from happening. I mean, yeah, to me, that, that's got to be it. Their own interests are at the uh, center of their uh, actions and it's reminiscent of when uh, Robinhood halted trading on GameStop and AMC and all that shit, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago. Um, and, you know, of course, yeah, they're going to come out and say stuff like, oh, they're trying to protect the, uh, you know, the average Joe. But really, they're protecting their own pockets. And it's going to be the uh, the average Joes who, who, who bear the cost. Yeah, I think I'd love to flash forward six months just to see, you know, what the total user quantity on Celsius and Binance looks like. In six months, when people say "screw these guys," we're going to we're going to Coinbase. And in general, my favorite part about crypto for the last ten years, thank you very much, has been the education that people have gotten on all these different features and concepts. The education that people were getting was simply the value of money and what makes someone need to use a lira or a dollar or RMB. And today, we're getting a lot of education on the benefits of a centralized and decentralized exchange. And a lot of people didn't care. 
that these exchanges were centralized. But when something's centralized, makes it much more trackable, if not completely trackable. But more importantly, as we're seeing today, it gives the exchange control. It is allowing the exchange from keeping you to selling or buying from other people. And, and, and that's obviously creating um, a scenario where the powers that be, well, it's not the government and it's not the Federal Reserve and it's not you know, some big bad bank. The powers that be are choosing to flex their power and say, eh, we're going to keep ourselves from getting too damaged right now. And we're willing to take the hit in order to not probably go completely bankrupt. I mean, they would probably want to avoid this as much as possible. They'd probably feel I'm forced into it. I, I have to think that they'd only, I mean, this is, this is the like Trump card, right? Like they wouldn't do this unless they didn't have another option. Right. And it's so, it's so ironic because obviously, you know, cryptocurrency is the, the, the whole, the whole point is, is the decentralized, uh, you know, no single node of power over it aspect. So, uh, you know, it's ironic. These guys are, these yeah. guys are, uh, have centralized, uh, you know, control over trading it. And then, um, you know, you would think that any sort of rational, thoughtful human being, which I'm sure that who's ever running it must be pretty intelligent, right? Like they must have done, they must have had to do this to stay in business or else they would go, you know, or else they'd go broke. Cause at the end of the day, they're, you know, they are hurting their legitimacy and any serious trader is not going to use that platform again. Just similarly to Robinhood, like to find me, find me someone who's not like a 21 year old college bro who trades on Robinhood. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I'll, t- you know, look at, and look at Robinhood stock over the past year and a half, you know, they were, they were down before the market started correcting. I mean, and ultimately I don't think they're going to, you know, be around and, in, in, for the long term, and I think these crypto uh, exchanges may have uh, may have you know just extended their lives a little bit, but ultimately uh, you know hurt their long term legitimacy and are not going to be in this for the long haul. Dude, I mean they're shutting down the one activity that they are designed to do. That and they're doing it in an environment where the entire marketplace is brand new. All these companies are effectively brand new, and there are a million choices for people to choose from. Sure, Coinbase is dominating. Crypto.com is dominating. Uh, Binance definitely dominates. All of these guys can be upset. Travis, have you ever heard of Mt. Gox? No, I haven't. Okay, Mount. No one, no one who has bought crypto in the last five years and wasn't buying before that has ever heard of Mt. Gox, because Mt. Gox—that's G-O-X was hacked, I believe in 2014, maybe, yeah, I think it was 2014, and it was hacked, and after the hack, no one used it, and they just went defunct within like a week. And this is a perfect scenario where a brand name, Mountain Gox was effectively Coinbase, up from 2000, I don't know, they probably started in 11 or 12 until 14. This is the exact same scenario where their function becomes obsolete, and in this case, they're doing it to themselves, people stop using it, and now they're done. I'm sure that whatever payments uh, they make across all the different assets they make via interest and they do um, in a few different ways to all their consumers, I'm sure they borrow that money. And I'm I'm sure that uh, they've measured up very quickly that they had weeks to live with how expensive things are probably getting for them right now, if if only days, right? They did not want to press the button and do this. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. And um, I'm, I'm excited to have smarter minds than mine uh, break this down when we can look at it in retrospect. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, there's so many uh, exchanges in this space. Uh, I know like, you know, Coinbase was, was one of the first big recognizable brands. But, you know, if you look at the fees they charge compared to some of these smaller exchanges, I mean, you're look, you're, it's like literally 50 times more than some of these smaller exchanges. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they evolve their business model now that the space is becoming more and more competitive, especially on the fee side of the house. I, I would argue that probably most people who still trade on Coinbase just do that just purely based off of brand recognition and, and don't, if they, if they knew the fees associated with Coinbase versus some of these smaller, lesser known brands, um, they, they would exit, you know, they, they would exit that, that wallet or whatever immediately. If you're just joining us here, uh, we were talking crypto. It's down to, uh, down, uh, to, you know, lows not seen since like around what, 2016, uh, S and P's are down. NASDAQ's down. I got my freaking war boonie hat on right now because I feel like we are in the freaking trenches in the first battle of the Somme and we're about to go have to go over the top. So a little bit of bad podcasting. I got my boonie hat on. It's all jacked up because I have my headphones over my boonie hat. But here I am. Me and Brad, we're talking crypto. Uh, we're talking retail trading. And, uh, and speaking of retail traders, let's shift gears here real quick and talk about retail yeah. stores. Um, kind of funny story with Target is they just freaking loaded up on inventory, and now that uh, now that the uh, you know the bottleneck has kind of been released, they have pretty much fucked themselves and are selling stuff at pennies on the dollar. Uh, you got more there? Yeah. Are you, are, we, are they selling this in the store? Or is this all being done online? I, I'm not sure, but I know uh, I know my fiance is probably going to go ape shit over uh, this because I mean her she has like some she'll have like these marathon freaking target days dude it took me a while to get that out of pam's system to be honest so let's see her toilet basically loaded up they started buying everything uh everything retail let's see here everything you need to live it looks like they were stocking up on sweatpants surgical masks uh different blu-ray discs of all different types of movies which is ridiculous wait real quick who's who's watching blu-rays these days dude (laughs) Like, if you're if you're going to Redbox and renting a movie, you you're got to be on like a terrorist watch list, right? Who who is that person? That might even be more expensive than Netflix. You know what I mean? Like, how many of those do you need to rent right now to make your uh, Netflix expense a lower cost? It's probably I don't like know three. It's I mean, three, you got four. You got to drive there, right, to rent it and then drive home. So unless you're riding a bike. Right, dude. you're spending uh, seven bucks on a gallon of gas to get there and back. Yeah, yeah, dude. In San Diego, you definitely are, which is insane in and of itself. I think we're touching on that today too. So, what shares fell? Uh, yeah, shares went down about two and a half percent. Just talking about the fact that Target has too much product that they now have to move, like a bunch of used car salesmen in quarter two here. So they're going to be selling all this junk just, just wholesale, huh? That's ridiculous. Yeah, pretty much. They're not going to turn a profit on it at all. And uh, they reported that and that uh, right before earnings and their stock freaking tanked. Um, so do I just yeah. head over to the clearance section then and start scooping this stuff up? Or maybe we'll just do a 
automatic 10% off at the, uh, at the cash register. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, they're going to have a similar to like a black Friday type sale. So like, yeah, you're going to get some stuff dirt cheap, but you better go in there with your freaking Viking war helmet and like a, uh, one, one of those like clubs with a spike ball on the end, dude. Cause it's going to be freaking melee. You're going to have to fight some people. Um, oh. Speaking of retail and retail things, uh, we've got some trading changes thanks to the SEC. It looks like uh, Binance has been fighting some issues here. But the SEC is looking to propose some major changes to the stock markets um, plumbing this fall. And by plumbing, I mean how people actually make their trades. I don't know if Everyone realizes this, but actually when you put in a buy or sell order, you aren't exactly first in line. In fact, depending on your account and depending on what you've been paying your broker, you may go to the front of the line and you may go to the back of the line. And uh, luckily for all of us down here in dumb retail, that's finally uh, about to be amended if, if legislation that we're looking at here actually goes through. But the whole point is to make the market makers compete with each other to exercise your orders efficiently. And if they do not give the little guys like us, the retail traders, orders that have good execution, then these retail brokers will actually have to send the orders to other market makers. Uh, it's an interesting concept that if a market maker is not going to and or not able to actually give you a particular quality of execution, and I have no idea how they're going to measure that, that it will be incumbent upon another market maker to actually fulfill your order. How is that going to affect me while I'm just buying as much Google and Amazon on sale next month? I'm not quite sure, but if legislation like this went through, uh, hopefully you don't have something like the, uh, <laughs> like the Robin Hood crusade of, what was it, 2020? Or was that 2021? Hopefully it would negate uh, episodes like that from ever happening again. Yeah, for sure. I think the most surprising uh, part of this is that uh, our government's acting in the people's own best interest. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know? You know, we'll have to put this on the watch list to see how long it takes for legislation like this to get killed or actually become a real factor. Uh, one way or another, you can bet my portfolio will be getting slaughtered all the same. Hey, I want to just give a quick shout out to Roger for joining us. Thanks, brother. Welcome. Come on back next week. Yeah, please uh, like, subscribe, uh, maybe leave a really mean review or comment. Uh, we live for that type of stuff. We are going to add a segment called Fight Time. So if you uh, if you want to fight us on here, we'd love that. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Roger, little vino drinker there. Heck yeah. All right, shifting gears, man. Let's get out of this slump. This is a really cool article on Bloomberg where a former Wall Street trader turned a high school math team into a Wall Street pipeline. That's the headline. This guy, Wolf Frazier, had actually been in finance. He goes down to a Florida high school. He'd been down there for 10 plus years, and he actually just kind of targeted the math team. He's got this math team who's become a bunch of prodigies, basically. He taught them all uh, for the last two decades. He taught them all how to trade effectively and trade against uh, other retail investors via simple apps like Robinhood and TD Ameritrade. But all these guys have become basically experts on, on level two information. And uh, Frazier has this little group that uh, effectively is all, uh, you know, 
off on their way to become big league all-stars up in Wall Street thanks to his uh, mentorship. I thought this was a pretty cool article. Check it out on Bloomberg if you want to Google former Wall Street trader turns high school math team into a Wall Street pipeline. It's pretty sweet. I mean, I think this is freaking awesome. You know, could you imagine being a high school kid who got access to this guy and this program? You know, looking at the the rest of the country, it's just that, you know, high school is a place where you're, you're just, you know, you're taught to just conform and then, you know, do good so you can go to college and finance a freaking worthless degree and then get some job that can barely pay for the degree, the degree and just, you know, launch your life into this, you know, debt slavery cycle. I mean, these kids, these kids are going to have a real shot, man. It's uh, it's a pretty cool deal, you know. The end of the article, and I absolutely agree with you. But the end of this article um, talks about Ethan Lee. He competed on this team that Fraser set up for all four years, freshman through senior year, before studying math at Harvard University. Like that's the kind of kid we're talking about here, right? He goes to Harvard, lands a job as a trader at Citadel Securities. I mean, this is happening for real. The COVID-19 pandemic hit, and uh, Frazier, the coach of the team, ends up, uh, let's see here, resigning from his job, (laughs) resigning from his job, at which time approximately 140 high school students had been following him and trading with him. So this went from, like, simple mathletes to 140 high school students following this professional Wall Street trader and uh, this man turning guys like Ethan into uh, the new kids on the block in Wall Street. I think it's pretty wild. Um, there's some funny yeah, background it's in here on awesome. Frazier as well, basically quitting on Wall Street and driving his Ferrari down to uh, Gainesville, Florida to just quit and become a high school golf coach, which was actually his position. He wasn't even a math teacher. He was just teaching high school golf. But <laughs> That's freaking awesome. I mean, the the amount of fucks this guy probably doesn't give about like listening to like could you imagine being uh the principal of this high school and like trying to rein this guy in and it's like he's driving a ferrari all the kids love him you know he's the freaking man he's made more money than he could ever know what to do with and he's just yeah he's not doing this job for a paycheck he's obviously doing this because he's passionate about it and loves it and is just having a freaking blast doing this. But, uh, I mean, I would just, I would just love to see that like dynamic between like him and the other teachers and the principals, you like, you know, the teacher's lounge, like, you know, what do they talk to this guy about? It'd be hilarious. Yeah. What, what a nut job. So it looks like he was, uh, he, he actually had to formally resign from his teaching position. Eventually. I'm not sure how much political uh, maneuvering that was, but uh, there is some talk in here about parents actually helping raise funds to cover cover uh, some of the wages he lost. So that's that's pretty interesting that uh, there's a bit of background that this article doesn't touch on. It doesn't seem to go in depth uh, at all on this, but he definitely got his hand slapped a little bit for what exactly. I'm unsure what you can actually get in trouble here for, but he's got kids going to Harvard and landing jobs on Wall Street. So kudos to... Uh, the honorable Mr. Frazier. Yeah. And of course there's controversy, man. Cause he, he went into some old institution that doesn't like change. He's a freaking maverick. He shook it up and rocked the boat. And like, you know, the powers that be don't like that. So I'm, I'm sure they like dug through his history to try and dig up some shit and, and uh, you know, use that, use that against him because I'm sure he was, uh, he was a tough person to kind of rein in at school, but probably, 
was a net, you know, such a, such a more impactful force on these kids life than any other, any other, uh, you know, subject or teacher. They oh, can had. you imagine? I mean, thanks to apps and every high school student staring at their phone all day, the amount of kids who are gambling money on crypto and stocks has got to just be atrocious. And I mean, kids like people who are not 18, who have forged accounts to you know, set up their TD Ameritrade or their Robin hood. And now they're trading with less than a thousand dollars. Right. And how cool is it that they could get some influence from a guy like this on how to do things effectively the right way compared to all these nonsense bullshit, like follow me, I'll teach you how to trade crypto and stock accounts that you can find on Instagram and whatnot. There's so much crap out there that you can pay $500 a month just to you know get signals and learn how to trade. Like how great was it that the, the golf coach in his Ferrari was just telling these guys, hey, this is how this is done. Uh, let me give you some advice on this and that. And oh, by the way, these guys were killing it at actual math competitions and, you know, landing scholarships and positions at Ivy League schools. So I think it's a win-win all around in terms of, you know, a positive influence on that high school atmosphere. Yeah, dude, that's nuts. I didn't even think about, like, kids setting up uh, bogus accounts and, you know, trading and losing millions of their, or, you know, thousands of their parents' dollars. When I was growing up, there's this one kid up the street. His name is Jimmy. And Jimmy, he's like, you know, he, I don't know. There's nothing like like overtly wrong with them, but maybe he was like, I don't know what, what his deal was, dude, but Jimmy had a one track mind where all he'd do was like, like he was cool to hang out with, but the second you had, Jimmy was alone, he was dialing up, uh, he was dialing up those like talk sexy numbers to you. And like, if he could get his, <laughs> like, if he could get his hands on a credit card, dude, he, he was, he was charging that thing. I remember his parents had to give the whole neighborhood a brief one time about, about Jimmy and because um, Jimmy had spent like $5,000, you know, and we're talking working class folks here. He had spent like $5,000 on his parents' credit card talking to these, uh, you know, talking to these uh, sexy girls online or whatever it was on, on, on the uh, 1-800, uh, you know, call sexy girls. So like anytime you had to hang out with Jimmy, like, like you, you couldn't leave him alone. Like you got, so I remember having to get like, go, you, you'd have to like go to the bathroom and make sure he was actually using the bathroom, you know? <laughs> But kind of kind of unrelated, oh but like, man, just think I about honestly what, don't know how we got to this. Just, just think about, you know, the Jimmy's of today's world just trading on margin, dude. And they're like 13 years old. Yeah. Yeah. This wouldn't like, be good. You guys put 500 bucks in their account and they're like, wait, how do I have $2,500? Oh, this is crazy. Just blowing up their dad's credit card. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I got to exactly. know how many stories are out there about people just swiping their dad's credit card on crypto. That's got to be insane. Oh, fuck, dude. I'm, we're going to have to do some research for for uh, next show. Yeah. Well, speaking of research, so I'm going to give everyone a trading trip, a trading tip as our outro here. We're going to get into uh, what we're going to call the Monte Carlo effect. If you haven't gambled enough, uh, there's this concept. It's purely mental, and it'll happen to plenty of people. Let's say you're looking at roulette which uh, gives you about a 48% chance of landing on red or black. I think it's specifically 47.3 because of the two green squares, zero and double zero. But you've got nearly 50-50 shot of hitting red or black. Let's say you hit red on the first roll, and then the second roll is red again, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. And you get up to 15 spins, excuse me, spins. And that 15th spin is red. It's been red the whole time, and you haven't been betting at all. And you go, oh my gosh, 
it's been red this whole time. It's bound to go black soon, right? It must, because we have not seen black in forever. So you bet on black. But it shows up as red again. And the 16th and the 17th and the 18th, they all go red. And everyone else around you is betting on black because they figure the next one it has to break the streak. It's odds, right? It's odds. It just has to happen. There's been too many reds. Well, the fact of the matter is that is not how odds work. <laughs> it's simply not. Red or black, you always have a 47.3% chance on every single roll. And the prior spin, excuse me, the prior spins have no effect on the current spin in play. And I want everybody to just consume that as we move forward into the year 2022 and they keep looking for green days versus all these insane, nasty red days we've been getting. Today was a huge red day, down almost 4% on the S&P 500. That does not mean that a few days like this guarantee that Thursday or Friday are going to be a big green day. So don't look for it and don't bet on it and be smart about what you're doing out there. We don't need anybody here getting stuck at the roulette wheel as they look to make some money as we move through the year 2022. Buddha, you got anything for us? Yeah, don't don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you heard him. Good luck to you guys. Uh, yeah, no, just kidding. Good luck to you guys. Be smart and uh, don't gamble with more than you're willing to lose. I think that's it, buddy. You got any last uh, saved rounds? I'm out, Buddha. See you next All time. All right, big We'll catch you later. Roger, like, subscribe. Please subscribe. We need followers, dude. Thank you so much. We need later. followers so badly. We need them.